Michael Vincent the Dude. What's hey, that, everybody. Good afternoon. Monday afternoon, man. Monday afternoon. Holy crap. We're from the, uh, this week. We got huh? a lot of great guests this week. We do. We even have special guest co-hosts. We got it all going on. But speaking of podcasts, oh. I've always talked about my story, how it inspired me, and I got over alcoholism and everything. Right well, for Prime Day, got my kids a laptop. Yeah. Five and seven years old. The okay. five-year-old decided, I'm going to start my own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's yeah, yeah. a little clip from it over the weekend. Let's do it. Bum, 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 ba-dum, ba-dum. A duck walked up to a lemonade stand and he said to the man running the stand, Okay, everybody, what's one plus one? What do you think? You are listening to what? Duck, truck, <laughs> Wait, Dad, isn't this what you use for what to truck? See, he's into it now, and he recorded the second, but he's becoming a diva, so he recorded the second one yesterday, yeah. and the seven-year-old tried to come on and be his co-host, and he kicked him off the show, and he said, this is my show. He changed the name to Sebastian the Truck, and oh. he said it's his show, and he interviewed his mom, but, you know, I told him, as the executive producer of his show, I'm not releasing that one, you gotta be nice to your, your co-host. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't release that one. You gotta well, be close to you. Last time we saw this man on the show, Jeez. he was headed out to have a death match. Now his ghost isn't gonna sit next to us, it's Gunnar Miller himself! He survived the death match. He went inside the devil's den and walked out a better, bigger man. Speaking of the devil's den. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Easy there, guys. What do we do here? Survived a death match, but not what the Uh, truck. Botchamania. Going through a a table over here. You look stable now. (laughs) Hey, speaking of uh, young kids doing podcasts, so we were talking about kids. So six-year-old Marcus He's been on my podcast now since he was four. He's probably done five or six episodes, and oh, he sweet. loves wow. it. Yeah, he, so he's the young podcast generation, man. Well, beautiful. Gunnar, you saw him the on the show generation. before. Vincent, the dude, and I have been on his show. We've got a lot to get to today. We're also going to head over to the port, talk to a driver in just a minute here. But first, got to tip the band. So shout out to our sponsor. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the last five years, earning a spot on Crane Chicago Business Fast 50 list. But how do they do it? They do it by earning their customers trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after the show, or I'm sending Gunner right over to your house. Thank you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> speaking of fighting, you fight in the ring. This gentleman is fighting for his rights to drive a truck. It's David Alvarado. He's a trucker. He's down there. He's, he was down on the scene, saw some of the protests that were happening Last week, David, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate your time today. Oh, we got David on mute. Oh, guys, can you unmute David? How's it going, guys? There he hey, is. Hey, there we oh, go. Going, you sound awesome. Where, where are we catching up with you right thank now? You, where, are you you. Sit- where are you sitting today? Uh, I'm a big rig, uh, waiting to be offloaded. Oh, nice. Sweet, So let's talk about these protests a little bit. We had some drivers on last week. They were talking about what was happening over in SoCal. I've heard this morning some drivers are getting together up in Oakland. Um, Give us your perspective a little bit. What have you seen so far? Uh, There's a lot of truckers out there um, try to, you know, their voice to be heard. So at the moment, I mean, a lot of independent contractors were over there uh, trying their best to for the protests for the state of California for being dependent right so it's kind of hard for us to I don't know sometimes we we have no knowledge right now at the uh, of this AB5 a lot of uh, truckers don't know what's really going on so we were out there uh, the truckers us the independent contractors were out there and they were asking why so Try to give them a little bit of knowledge. So, David, what's really what, going on? Right. So, Dave, what what is what uh, what position does this put you and your business in? Oh, really bad. As in first, as in freedom. Let's say I coach baseball for my daughter, and I won't be able to to do that anymore. It's pretty hard. So, my daughter was like, well, "I won't be able to coach no more." Like, it's crazy. 
No, no why, why is that? What's, the contractor the, thing. what's the leap? Because you're a contractor, you can't set your own hours now? Is that what it is? Yes, correct. So I'm going to go yeah. basically by hours. So it's pretty hard for me. I'm not used to that. I've been doing this 17 years, owner-operator, because my dad been doing it for 38 years. And I know the freedom. Like, I want to work, let's say, let's say uh, today I hustle and then tomorrow I relax because I got something to do. That's the freedom for me. Yeah, yeah, working for yourself. the contractor. Yes, correct. Yeah, I don't think people realize that. So who are the, Dave, so where did this come from? In your opinion, where did AB5 come from? Who, who, who's responsible for this thing? Because I didn't see anybody out there protesting and say, hey, we need to be part of the companies. Sure. That's that, exactly. They're the same ignorance I think we all have. Like, what is this? What is going on? We all lost right now. So basically, we don't know. Well, David, do you see there this? Es- David, do you see this escalating at all, or are there more? Because I know they're in Oakland. Are there any more plans for SoCal protests? Have you been talking to other drivers? Are you you starting to organize and get some clarity on your end on this issue? Well, first thing was first. I mean, the truckers they are supported. All the independent contractors were supportive. I, I can't. I didn't believe that. I mean, it was weird. We all, we were, everybody was united. That's awesome. I didn't really didn't thought. I didn't really think that we. They, we all independent contractors have that power, and then we all together. That's awesome. What do you think of all this, Gunner? Yeah, you know, it's just a little confusing. Like, I guess on our end, like, what exactly are you trying to get out of, of this message? What are you trying to find out? Like, what do you need to know in order to make the next decision that you're trying to make for your company? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, to uh, well, same as Uber and Lyft, they um, they are. Uh, it, this this law doesn't apply them, so we want us to take off them from the list. All the truckers are independent contractors. Yeah, that is a voice that all everybody wanted to. Everybody was ready for everything. It was crazy. It was this ex- excitement, uh, scared. Like, what are we doing? So the message is like to take us off of the list, like how yeah, yeah. they did Uber and 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 lift and et cetera and et cetera except us which we the backbone of uh, america that's crazy they don't understand that no oh, david sucks. you david let me talk you had the opportunity to talk to secretary pete we even have a picture of you speaking to him at the uh, the port here if you guys could show that please um tell us a little bit about if you could talk to secretary pete today knowing what you do about ab5 going through what would you say to him oh i'll say the hey uh, help us out and take this out because Let's say I, I, I can move with, like, let's say I'm independent. I, I could throw down maybe three or four loads a day. Okay, now, if you tell me by hour, dude, I'm going to sit down, relax, and I'm just going to do one. So, yeah. basically, California is going to slow down. Yeah. I mean, I'm being realistic here. Yeah. Right now, I try to hustle, do what I got to do. And I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to do another one. And then, you know what? Give me another one. And now I'll be like, okay, just give me one, and I think I'll knock it down the whole day because the ports, big lines anyway, so hasn't been a difference. Ports been like that that I know 17 years. It's been the same thing. It, I mean, it's amazing, but we used to it. We, uh, I understand uh, what's going on over there. I know safety's first. I do understand that, and I agree to it. But besides all that, I'll tell that to Secretary Pete. I mean, that help us out right here. What's going on? Yeah. He's awesome, and, by the way. He's cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. And you know what? I, I Some people may take that as a threat. Like, hey, we're going to slow down. But I don't see that as a threat. It's, it's the just, entrepreneurial mind that's being crushed here, right? It's just physics, too. It's just, it's just the way it is. resource allocation. Yeah, right? It's crazy. Yeah, it's tough times. We're, we're, you know, thank you for going out there, getting this message out there. We're happy to help amplify it for you. Stay strong out there. Persevere. And, you know, we hope the best for you and your family. And you brought up a great point, too. It doesn't just affect the driver at work. It affects you at home, too, with your wife. She can't even coach a youth soccer team. The family is disrupted for no yeah. apparent reason whatsoever. And as always, the ones that feel like they have the least amount of power are the ones that have to shoulder the most weight of these type of decisions. Decision makers are always insulated from this crap to begin with. Thank you so much for your time today, David. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Tough situation. And it's, it's not it's not just what's going on with them in the supply chain mm-hmm. right now. Now, if you've been if you've been following what's going on on rail, 
just this morning, there was supposed to be a strike on the rails. It was going to be 110,000 rail workers. Uh, It would have been the first rail strike since 1992. That strike, inflation adjusted, it only lasted two days. It cost Americans $4 billion. Thank you for that stat, Mm. Rachel Premack. Um, Biden put together an emergency sponsor's late last Friday executive order on the establishment of an emergency board to investigate disputes between certain railroad representatives by the National Carriers Conference. Now they have 60 days for the 115,000 members of the BLET to sit tight, get negotiations in place, or we'll be right back here at rail strike time. How big of an issue would rail strike be for someone like you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it would throw the market into a complete disaster, to be honest with you. I mean, think about everything that ships via rail that would then have to be redistributed back to the warehouses and then shipped out via truck. So, I mean, as a broker, it'd probably be a good thing. Oh, yeah. You know, to be honest with you. Um, but as far as consistent business goes, it, it would not be a good thing. You would, you would get a lot at the beginning. Uh, rates would go sky high because the brokers that are going to be scamming people are going to be doing that. And then the truck drivers are going to be trying to get a premium rate from that stuff because they know what's going on. So it would just be another COVID disaster as far as the supply chain goes. God. Even you as a broker, you get, and you know, I remember Brad Jacobs at Transparency 19. He said, as a broker, something like you said, I love disruption. I love volatility sure, sure, within the sure, market sure. because it creates opportunity to go out and present uh, new business and stuff. But I think we all understand that a rail strike would, even if it would be good for a broker, would be awful as a consumer. It would yes. be awful as an American. And yes. any money you would, you would make on the broker, it's like you lose anyway having to deal with all the disruption and chaos that's right. going on. Yeah. So what do you see happening if a rail strike went down? Well, if a rail strike, one of the things that I see here is in addition to what you're saying there and the effects on the consumer is manufacturing and everything. Look, Think about all the bulk that moves on yeah rail, that there's no way to absorb that. You're not taking those bulk containers back and throwing them on a dry van. There's not enough capacity to handle it. That just stops. Yep. Yeah. Right? I mean, you remember in, in COVID when we were, they were euthanizing hogs and cattle, et cetera. That's, that, I mean, there you go. All yep. that all over again, and then years to get dig back out of it. Yeah. Just a bad, bad, bad scene, especially right now. I mean, you've got, we even have strikes possible over in Germany that will affect us right at their ports. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, we saw the disruption, and you go, Look at the impact, the profound impact that just shutdowns in China had at the beginning of COVID. Yes. All the way on the other side of the world, right? Talk about our domestic supply chain. If you massively disrupt trucking, or you don't even have to massively. If you take 10% of capacity away, look at what happens. It's a massive ripple effect. Everyone goes fighting. And shippers, they hear the echoes, right? They hear the footsteps behind them of another dispute that's going on over on the West Coast, the West Coast port talks. Look at what's happening with imports right now. Look at this massive shift. Break down this yeah. chart for us, Michael. Yeah, so what you're looking at here is the uh, maritime import uh, TEUs by port, right? And it's over the last two months. Now, we've seen it change from the West Coast to the East Coast over the last several years. Sure. But look at the spike on the right-hand side. What you're looking at there is the yellow and the green. That is Savannah. Uh, Savannah's green and yellow is Houston. Pink is uh, Elizabeth. And the blue there is Los Angeles. So Los Angeles down 20%. Yeah. Now, EWR is down, but it's 2%. So we got an 18% swing right there. But the other two, look at a 40% up, 28% up. Now, so this is relative. I'm not saying 40% more freight in Savannah than L.A. And is it's this the this relative month? growth. This is over the last 30 days. Wow. We yeah, because I think a lot of people listening, they would go, yeah, yeah, we've been following the storyline of yes, the forever. shift no, from... The spike has changed. This Boom. is a significant change. Significant. They're hearing oh, the yeah. echoes. Yeah. The echoes they're hearing is 22,000 port workers who are working without a contract right now. Right. Um, it affects 29 ports. It affects 40% of imports into the United States, not to mention the exports going out. Big sticking point, automation. Um, if they haven't resolved it yet, I don't know. Like, what, what is going on in that room? How do you see this going? I don't, I don't see the union giving, any, giving much leeway, if any, on automation. No, I don't think so either. I think right now the biggest thing is just trying to figure out where is the best place to ship this stuff to. And yeah. as you can see, I mean, the data is not going to lie. It's going to be the East Coast. And if all this stuff continues in, in the West Coast, all the freight is going to come over here. And then what's that going to do to the market? Yeah. Yeah, and, and the other thing, if you're on the West Coast and you're, you're, you're running these ports or involved as an ILWU member, whatever it happens to be, you're, you're not ignorant to all of the investment that is going on in the East Coast restru- infrastructure anyways. So how much of this sticks and doesn't go back? Yeah. yeah. That's another concern, right? Yeah. If you, that's your operation over there. Yeah, right. are we, so we're looking at this, and we're going to be heading into peak season very soon here, right? Yeah. So we're looking at this massive shift, and these are just echoes of what everyone else is going to be doing. These are the smart people who moved over there first, but the dumb people are going to move over too, yep. and then... And we're going to yeah. have massive congestion over on the East Coast probably this fall. Is do, do you guys agree with that? I'd say so. I'd say it starts during peak season. Yeah. I mean, because that's when all the volumes are going to go up regardless anyways. So then 
I mean, fall could maybe be a little bit early. I think it maybe starts during fall, but it peaks during peak season, and then it kind of continues in that first quarter of next year. So what would you advise me? I'm a smaller importer, less than 500 TUs right now, and, um, but I, I, I could die, right? I could die if this doesn't, if this doesn't <laughs> go my way. What port should I be sending to? If I usually go to West Coast, should I consider this shift, even though there could be delays to avoid this contract talk? Or do you think there's no way the port shuts down? I'm not sure if there's no way that it shuts down. I mean, I would say if you have the opportunity to send things into Savannah or even into Miami, we've been pulling stuff out of Miami. We've been pulling stuff out of Jacksonville. We've been pulling stuff out of that Savannah area uh, the past few months, and I think that's a good place to get stuff out. You can get good rates going back up, and I don't know. It seems like a good spot. I mean, the West Coast, we don't do much in the West Coast in general, especially out of California, so I can't speak too much to it because we're not in there on a daily basis. But as far as it comes to the East Coast, we're there all the time, and it's a good spot. It's interesting because you even see the big infrastructure build in uh, down in Louisiana at the at the mouth of the Mississippi, right? Because they're looking at moving them to barge and then barging up to different ports yep. inland up the Mississippi and moving into the, and that's going to gain steam here, especially with it. What's your better argument than this to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean right. It, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's you know disruption is uh, disruption is is the word around here. What have you been up to over at Twelve Point? Man, we're just trying to grow a little bit. Like I said last time when I came on here, we mainly talked wrestling. But, you know, in yeah. 2019, we're a million-dollar company. And 2021, we were 17. And this year, we're going to pace over 20. So at this point, we've we've brought in a sales team that we've trained and grown. Um, and they're out getting their own business. And they're kind of doing it cradle to grave. But we have a split model uh, ideology over there at 12 points. So once a, an account gets to a certain point, we throw it over to the operations team and then they handle it. So, I mean, we're up to about 17 people right now and we're just growing. We're trying to put our heads down and, you know, we're trying to walk and then talk instead of just talking about it and then trying to cover our basis and walk after that. So a little pro wrestling walk and talk and just uh, <laughs> so you know, figure you it out. Explain that a little bit and why that philosophy of walking in and talking. Because you see so many that just grab, 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 and, and hopefully it all sticks, right? Yeah, so I mean, so many people out there, they're going to tell you what their goals are and their aspirations oh. and, and the way they're going to take their company and stuff like this. you know, And they're going to tell you what they're going to do. And then how many times does that actually happen? Maybe not all the time. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to go do it, and then we're going to tell you what we did, and then try to re-implement that process with another customer. That's that's our goal. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, hey, we got another guest that is online right now. It's Craig Lineauer. He's Inland Marine Corporate Claim over at Travelers, and he wants to talk about challenging freight, which uh, some may say, didn't you guys talk about re- like refer freight last time? Isn't that a, isn't that enough of a pain? Well, we've got even more challenging freight, right, Craig? That's right. And I uh, was just yeah, we talked about that back in January about refrigerated shipments, and uh, so it's great to be back. Well, we've grown maybe about 45% since January, audience on the show. So why don't you tell our lovely listeners what you do over there at Travelers? Yeah, so I manage transportation claims and litigation uh, countrywide for Inland Marine. Um, we insure goods in transit and the legal liability of our insurance, who are motor carriers, as well as freight brokers. And we defend those folks when they are sued in courts around the country. And I've been doing this for some time now. Uh, you know, it's about, about 10 years. Um, uh, and before that, I worked as a transportation uh, lawyer. Ooh, all right. So, hey, Craig, tell us, what is the difference between the shipments? What makes some shipments more difficult to ship other than I need it there yesterday? Yeah. So, you know, we consider, uh, you know, things difficult to ship when they look harmless, but they represent a big exposure if they become damaged or if they're handled improperly, right? So, you know, of course, what talks to mind, uh, what springs to mind that is are shipments that need to be temperature controlled or that have a high value like seafood, pharmaceuticals, cosmetics. And, you know, as you mentioned a minute ago, we talked about that before in this program, those refrigerated items. Right. And they they become damaged if they're just one degree above or below the required shipping temperature. And as we talked about on this program back in January, this cargo has to be loaded properly. That's the name of the game so that the you know, the cool air flows freely through the trailer around and over the goods. And if that airflow becomes blocked in any way, then that cargo is going to be spoiled or it's going to be rejected uh, as warm. But, you know, what I want to talk about today are just a couple other big exposures that are out there for the unsuspecting motor carrier. And these include things like uh, bulk shipments and tanks, precision instruments, uh, and lithium ion batteries. And all of these goods are big exposures in disguise, really. Uh, you might not perceive them to be a threat at all or to be a big exposure, uh, and you might not even know that they're damaged with delivery. 
Wow. So when you talk about the big bulk, it, wh- wh- why is bulk uh, containers, uh, and I know what you're talking about, the big totes, right? Yeah. The 110-gallon mm-hmm. totes. Why specifically those and not the commodity that's in them that makes them so difficult or such a big exposure? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's really not the tote. It's the bulk shipment in tanks that I mean when I when I mention that. And oh, so what okay. we're talking about is, yeah, we're talking about shipments of commodities like salt or grain, right, in a tanker. I got And you. these are unique. Yeah, these are unique because if they get contaminated during transit and then you deposit the contents of the tanker into a silo, for example, you're going to also become liable for what's inside the silo, too. And that's a big problem, right? Because your cargo insurance is going to cover what's being hauled, but it's not going to cover the stuff that's already in the silo. So you really have an exposure that's well beyond what your insurance is going to cover. So you have to make sure that if you're hauling a tank, that it's 100% clean of contaminants. You know, say, say for example, you had a trace amount of pesticide, God forbid, in a, in a, in a tank, and, and you later, you know, added some other content to it, and then you deposited that content into a silo, you're on the hook, not just for that which you hauled, but also the contents of the silo that are now contaminated by this trace element uh, of pesticide. But, but let me digress for a second, because I think really the best example of what we're talking about with this... Um, you know, this big exposure that it isn't apparent um, is really lithium ion batteries, right? And this is a technology you really wouldn't expect to be a big deal because these are approved for commercial sale inside of cars. And as far as technologies go, it's a new technology, but it's not, you know, super, it's not uh, super new. Um, and it's pretty common, right? In front of you right now, I'm sure you gentlemen have a laptop or a cell phone that's going to have a lithium ion battery in it. You find these frequently in tools and also electric vehicles. However, there are important safety issues that aren't always recognized by motor carriers with these lithium-ion batteries. And the truth is that under certain conditions, these batteries can burst into flames. So what happens is the the battery itself will start to short-circuit. If it gets damaged, the battery then will quickly heat up. And if it gets hot enough, then something called thermal runaway and ignition occurs, right? And that's bad news. So what happens is the heat and the flames spread from one cell to another cell, and they start this big chain reaction fire. So this potential for this thermal runaway fire and difficulty in putting these fires out, because they're very hard to put out, is really a big disadvantage of lithium-ion batteries that folks just don't know about, right? So that's really a good example of something that's very small. It's a lithium-ion battery, um, and it seems harmless. Uh, but you should be aware of the risk of devastating devastating exposure. So by way of example, I think a lot of folks on the phone will remember that about a year ago, it was the last year anyway, there was a large cargo ship carrying luxury cars right. coming from Germany, from, yeah, from Germany to the U.S., right? And it burned for a long time, and then it sank at sea. And it was suspected that a lithium-ion battery in one of these luxury automobiles actually started the fire. That loss, wound up being a $400 million loss. So you yeah. can see it, it truly can be devastating. And, and on its face, you might not think it's uh, really a threat at all. Now, the shipper of that, would they have had to cover the $400 million of total cargo lost, kind of similar to the, the bulk tanks uh, I think you're talking about? $400 million about? probably included the vessel as well. I mean, they tried to salvage the vessel, the vessel sank, mm-hmm. and then and then all the cars were a, were a total loss as well. But, what, but would that carrier uh, be, he'd have to cover that? Well, the insurance? it was a big insurance buck. I tell you that um, some, you know, I, I know of an insurance company at about 155 million, and that was on the contents of the car. But that would be a, a marine policy, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so the vessel would be covered by by marine insurance. But um, you know, so well, Craig, let me ask you, just just dovetailing off that, what can trucking companies do to protect themselves? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things you can do is to watch out for, you know, odd-shaped crates or customized pallets, right? Mm. So frequent precision instruments or medical devices that I mentioned a moment ago, um, or as we started talking, you know, things like robotic tools or MRI machines, these are shipped in these really unique crates or customized pallets. And these frequently are top-heavy, right? So they have a tendency to fall over uh, during transit. And many of these items are shipped with what's called a tip and tell or a shock watch damage indicator. Mm-hmm. And that's a little little thing that gives a visual sign if the cargo's tippy on a cert- certain angle or if it's been exposed to damaging impact. So one of the things you need to do for sure is uh, if you're if you're picking up a, uh, you know, one of these customized pallets or odd shaped crates, you need to make sure that there's not a, like a shock watch 
attached to it that's been activated because if it has been, um, you're likely to be liable about, you know, liable for the uh, for the damage when you deliver it, right? And you may not even see an out, any outward sign um, of damage to the crate, right? But that shock watch is going to be activated, meaning it's been exposed to some G-forces um, that potentially could damage the content. So, um, but, you know, aside from that, what you can do is, um, look, first and foremost, you have to know what you're hauling. Make sure that you have enough insurance to cover the loss in the event of total destruction of the commodity uh, that you're carrying. Uh, double check your policy to ensure that the commodity that you're picking up isn't an excluded commodity. Uh, and remember, you know, based on the stuff we've talked about today, the law is going to make you strictly liable for cargo that you pick up, right, and deliver in a damaged condition without any showing that you caused the loss. So that mm -hmm. that's 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 the legal paradigm that applies uh, in interstate commerce. It's strict liability for the motor carrier. So, in that respect, what you want to do is make sure, as we like we talked about, you know, tankers. Make sure, make sure any tanker you haul is thoroughly cleaned out before you pick up your next shipment. Again, watch out for odd shaped crates uh, or customized pallets. And and if you see that, if you see one of these, then look for a tip and tell or a shock watch indicator. And if that is activated, do not carry that shipment. Don't don't leave with it. Um, and, and look, lastly, and, and importantly, make sure that you're with a quality insurance company like Travelers Insurance who understands the nature of these risks and, and who will step up when you need them to. Thanks for your time today, Craig. We appreciate it. Go to Travelers.com for all your insurance needs. Take care, brother. Thanks. See ya. Take it easy. Thanks. Hey, ever get out wedding insurance before? Uh, wedding insurance? Nope. No. Uh, I do not believe I did. Well, you might need it. <laughs> Meanwhile... This is this is coming over for sure. That is coming over. You were right, brother. <laughs> Beautiful day for a wedding. <laughs> Look, it's all cool right there now. There we go. That looked like a scene out of uh, Sonic 2. Yeah. You, you know what's you seen yeah. that with the kids yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the great thing about that video is right there is if you watch the whole thing right there, everything's all kind of cool and kind of fun. Oh, it gets yeah. serious real fast. Real fast, real quick. <laughs> that's, that's how water works. Do you remember uh, when Vaughn, do you remember what Vaughn Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? He said, bigger isn't better, better is better. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life science operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the biggest final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to no markets at, tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. History lesson, Michael Vincent. Oh. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has been providing a single source of solutions to monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risks for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond oh. compliant. I was off a little bit on that one, sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Well, well it's Monday. I wasn't on By Friday, on that'll be a lot longer. Oh, it'll be much yeah. better by Friday. Let's talk to LeVar Patton. He's the founder and CEO over at Trucking Empire. He's over in Charlotte, North Carolina, Ooh. by the way. Hey, you a big uh, yeah, you a big Ric Flair fan over there? That's Ric Flair country. No. Oh, we got LeVar on mute. Got to unmute these I'm guys, good. team. Thanks, man. I'm good now? You're yeah. good. You're good I'm now. Good. I'm good. Yeah, Ric Flair, yeah, he's great, man. I haven't seen a lot about him lately. Popping up. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Well, he's got a big retirement match coming up. He's at the end of the month. He's uh, 73 years young, stepping right. back in that ring. Rumor has it it's against Jeff Jarrett. That's what I heard. Is it? Yeah. It's a rumor, huh? Double wow. J always finds a way to ruin everything. LeVar, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, man? Introduce yourself to the to our audience here. I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, my name is LeVar Patton. Um, 25 years old from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, CEO, founder of Trucking Empire. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're doing right now, the Trucking Empire. Uh, that's what we're trying to do is we're streamlining, streamlining um, just a communication platform for everybody in the trucking industry. So just trying to connect everybody together. Right on. So, LeVar, what's the motivation there? Why Trucking Empire? Where did you where to come from? What are you motivating? Right. So I, I began uh, the trucking industry with dispatching. So I just noticed a bunch of issues about um, – with some of the load boards that were provided that we were using, um, just trying to network with people, uh, meet with brokers, uh, trying to find different carriers to work with and everything. 
And I just thought it would be a, a much easier way to do this if we had an actual platform designated for the trucking industry instead of trying to use a bunch of different apps and everything. So that, that was something. And also with um, dri- drivers, that was a big issue for us as well. So I wanted to kind of, you know, make it easier for people to connect with drivers and everything. Hey, LeVar, as a broker, what's going to make this stand out from all the other you know, companies that we have that are very similar to this in, in the same regard? I know, I know you're saying that they each have their own pros and cons, and you're trying to bring them all together, but I'm sure the other companies have been trying to do that as well. Like, What's different between your company and the other ones? Uh, so with brokers, you'll be able to just on a platform, you'll be able to network with people, first of all. It's really an all-in-one platform, so you'll be able to network with you know, different dispatchers, carriers, other shippers, brokers, so whatever you want to. So you'll be able to message them just off the app. Um, also with our load board, when you're posting loads, you'll be able to see um, everything about a carrier that you're thinking about doing some business with. So you'll be able to see how long their authority was just off their profile um, when they when they contact you about a load. So you'll be able to see everything about them just off their profile. So that as a, as is an accessibility I feel like would be a big thing for you guys and just being able to network and all, all the different things on the platform. Um, we, we do updates. We keep people updated about everything going on in the industry. So it's a, it's a like I said, an all-in-one platform. So, LeVar, you're, you're, you're 25. You're starting this new company, this venture here. Uh, when you're looking around for inspiration, who, who, who are you looking up to? What leaders in, in business or where do you see this company going? How, who are you modeling yourself after? Uh, modeling myself after, um, I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't really look to model myself after anybody. It's just something I just, just, just really in me. I mean, I do, um, you know, um, do research. I do, uh, look at people uh, like the Starbucks CEO. I I do uh, look at some of the things that he does and, um, just YouTube videos he's been a, a part of. So it's a, that's really it. But it's the entrepreneurial stuff. That's really just inside of me. It's something I really want to do my whole life and everything. So uh, me being part of the trucking industry, I, I found a way to pursue that and starting with the dispatching now this. So it's just getting bigger and bigger for me. And uh, I, I love the trucking industry. I love being an entrepreneur. So uh, I LeVar, really want to push. How long you been in trucking, LeVar? Trucking uh, since 2020. Wow. Okay. So two years. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Awesome. So, LeVar, what's your thoughts on, you know, you got the FMCSA out there. They got like one of those comment periods right now asking the question, should load boards be considered brokers? Yeah. Should they fall under some of those guidelines? What's or your thought on that? should they be considered that? social media? Could you what? imagine some of the flame wars on like a social media-driven <laughs> uh, message, like yeah. load board? That yeah. would be fantastic. Or if there was load board access to like LinkedIn. Because yeah. you're talking about like network and community. I mean, what's the difference in what your thing would be able to do, your company would be able to do, and just like going to LinkedIn and meeting up with drivers and, and dispatchers and shippers that way? Are you trying to bring a right. LinkedIn aspect to a load board? Or even yeah, Facebook, right? Yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. Like Facebook, for example, that's, that's something I, that was kind of big. It's like Facebook for trucking. You know, you'll be able to do everything on here. So, um, yeah, it's a load board, but you have the networking aspect. So you'll have everything on this platform. If you go to LinkedIn, it's kind of, I'll say, more difficult to find exactly what you need versus coming to our platform, which is just designated for the trucking industry. You'll be able to, you know, uh, put all your criteria in there if you want to find a driver, a carrier, broker. And what city, what state, you'll be able to fill all that out. And then you know, all the results will just pop up. So it'll be nothing but try, uh, drivers and trucks in that area. So And you'll get a lot of them, too. Um, so let's ask Gunner here. I mean, Gunner, he, he works for a broker, 12-point logistics. What yeah. would make you have an interest in something like LeVar's talking about? What would it have to solve for you? I mean, it would have to have a carrier base on there that is going to tell me exactly like what lanes they're running and they'd have to be not on another platform because when mm-hmm. you go to like your main ones, you go to a truck stop or you go to a DAT, I mean, you're hitting a large majority. A lot of people say don't post and pray and all that stuff. But I mean, what does every brokerage do if they get the opportunity to do it? They're going to throw it on there to see if they can get the best rate. Right. So what, how's it going to separate itself from that? Or is it going to be the same directory of people? Are they going to sign up for this if they sign up for those two? Like, or is it going to be a group of guys that just sign up for this because they know they're going to get a certain amount of freight out of it. Yeah, I believe um, 
So it, it, it's a load board, but it's, there's more to it than just the load board aspect. So I believe that people will uh, start navigating as uh, Trucking Empire grows, uh, as it gets more known and notoriety. I feel like more people will gravitate towards it because you'll be able to do everything that you want on it. A load board, the networking, you can find uh, drivers to connect with. Uh, um, you'll be able to find trucks to, uh, that are for sale in your area. So it's just a bunch of different things you'll be able to do and we're going to be adding more uh, more things you could possibly do on here as well. So we're going to be listening to our uh, clients, our customers and everything. So whatever they want, we're going to, you know, try to pursue it. But something driven by people or companies, it needs it needs content. Content for, I guess, a social media right. load board would be loads, right? Yep. So what And customers and people to go on it. What do you anticipate your sort of customer user acquisition costs to be? to come on a platform like yours? Because with, without people, right, it's that tree in the forest. Yeah, so are you sa- are you asking how are we going about getting customers? Yeah, yeah, how are you going to go about do that? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're, we're going to be a network. I mean, um, we're going to be doing a lot of things on social media. Like, for example, what we're doing right here to the interview is just getting our, our name out there, our brand out there, letting people know that what we're doing and uh, how it could help them. So, just uh, things like this, uh, social media, online presence is going to be huge. Um, also, we're going to let people get on our platform for free for the first 14 days just to get, just to let them know, like, look, um, what we can do, how we can help them, how this be a service to them, just so they get a feel for it. So I feel like that'll be big as well. Hmm. So are you are you looking at a specific niche of truckload, a specific area, a reefer or dry van, or, or is it all? Oh uh, no! It's all you can find. All the equipment types on here. So whatever you, whatever equipment type you have, you'll be able to post, find a load, network with whoever you need to network with. Now, did your team build this out? Is this all proprietary, or is this third party white labeled? No. Oh uh, yeah, this is my personal team. Okay. Awesome. That, that's- Wow. So yeah. how how do you what is your approach to team building for this this new this new company? I mean, you got two years in here, so you're probably you're you're building the airplane as you're flying. I imagine. Who do you have? Uh, who do you have with you? Okay, so you know we have Parker Bonner. Um, he's really the um, guy that's building the platform. Where he's the head of the tech team. So you know he he had experience uh, with Google, uh, also doing his own um, startup company as well. So and we have. Uh, attorneys um, that also are in the trucking industry. Um, they, they've been a great help with this, uh, just giving me advice. Uh, also, just a group of people that are still in the industry for brokers, uh, carriers, uh, shippers that kind of feeding me information on what's going on. I, I also already know what's going on, but they're a little bit more deep dive into what they're doing. So I understand what their needs are and what they expect with this platform. And in order to use that, I guess my last question is, um, how much friction is there? Do I have to download an app? Is it a website? How does that side of it work? Yeah, so we really want to make this uh, really accessible to everybody. So you could go uh, download it on your iPhone, your Android. Uh, we have a website you can go on. Just you, You'll be able to go on a website. So off your laptop, you'll be able to access this as well. So tablet, anything you have, you'll be able to access this platform. Cool. Any more questions? No, that's about no, it. I'm good. All right. Hey, thanks awesome. for introducing us to what you're doing over at Trunk Empire. People who want to learn more and see it develop, where do they go to? Uh, they can just go to truckingempire.co.co. So you'll be able to go in and just look at everything we got going on. You can also sign up for updates. That's absolutely free. So you just put your information in and you'll get email updates every week or every month. LeVar, thank you so much. Very thanks cool. for coming on the show. Best of luck to you out there. Yeah, I appreciate you guys so much. Good stuff. Well, good luck to you. Apps are tough. Getting 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 customers is tough. You don't want your app to be John Cena where no one sees it. That's right. You need them on there. You're trying to bring that social aspect. You're going to have to bring people. And any suggestion I might have is maybe instead of just using depending on the internet and advertising that way is to just go actually go out and meet people and call people and shake some hands as well. That's probably the quickest way you're going to grab a customer base. Yeah, and if you turn in, you got to be a salesperson, right? You got to be the salesperson first, especially at that point in product development. And um, I mean, he's getting himself in front of me. Absolutely, talking about it. Yep, Yep. absolutely. Good luck. Long road ahead. All right, big deal, little deal. Big deal. What's up? Big deal. Do some things. Big deal, little deal. Do go through some topics, man. Go through some topics right here. Let's take a look at this wheel. Talk about big wheel. Look at this thing. I think it's still rolling, going downhill. It's going on forever. Now you ever see? 
I've never seen one of these. Have y'all experienced one of these in real life? I've seen the gators on the side of the road. Right. I've never yeah. seen this one. No, it's that. almost, it's like, you ever see American Beauty? Remember the weirdo in that movie who watches the bag fly around? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. To me, I'm that door. weirdo, except for me, it's the tire and not that bag. Okay. Yeah. Like, if I was 18, I'd be inviting right. girls over and showing them this, this video on my phone. Things like that. Right. I'd say I've done this. They got super lucky, though. I mean, if you watch this, did you watch Look this Look at this. This thing bounces off that median. Flying yeah. Look right there. Point. It, you know what? It's 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 really a cool video, and then when you realize just how heavy that son of a bitch is going down yeah. there, it's like, Can you oh, imagine that hitting a vehicle? Oh my like, god! First of all, that's about how I drive at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. from a wrestling show. all over the place. Yeah, that's that's me driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a little last ride construction going. On. <laughs> I guarantee you, at some point it will stop if this hell ever stops. This tire needs its own uh, runaway truck ramp. Now you mentioned the weight. How much does a wheel, a double wheel and tire like that typically weigh? I, I don't really know. It's got to be a couple hundred pounds. You ever yeah, try and pick yeah. one up? Yeah. Well, what if they got those nice light Alcoa? That doesn't Real matter. Cool. Just grab an empty tire in the gym and flip Does that thing Does it need an MC number times, right? by itself? You, I, think you it? know, at a certain point, it's going to pick up enough dart. You might consider that cargo. I mean, if it crosses state lines, you got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, you remember, like, before Reddit banned sites, like, like watch people die and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have, like, like, gifts and stuff, and you'd see someone standing in front of a restaurant with, like, a tire from out of nowhere. And oh, just, like, yeah. Near-death yeah, experiences yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Or, like, or death, death experiences. Yeah. yeah, like, just vaporize them. Like, yeah. I've seen people get hit by those tires. The outcome's not great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, live is crazy. Did it go? Is it still going? Or did it fly off into the, uh... It's got to be coming down. Maybe it is. Oh, there it is. All right, it finally went off into the, into the woods. So you got about 220 pounds of just rubber on that sucker. All right, you got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you just look it up? Yeah. Two, just the rubber alone. Just the rubber's about 220, rubber 220 pounds. Jeez. Okay, it's pretty much me rolling down a hill going about 100 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's out of control. Right, so here, man. So yeah, have you ever lost your cat in an airport? No, uh, I have a cat, but if I haven't lost one in an airport either. You ever I, flying or traveling with pets? Uh, no. Well. Wow. Well, hey, Patty, uh, and I don't know how so Sally, uh, her four-year-old Bengal cat mix escaped from a baggage handler at the airport in in Boston, right? In yeah. in, in, in Massport. So they were looking for this thing for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just a baggage handler opened up the thing, the, the door opened up, and the cat like went out, and it yeah. became this whole social thing around there for. What was it? How many, I think it was two weeks, three weeks. Wow. He was on the land. You sound really familiar there. with the story. All like over the place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just interested in that. I have read this. And <laughs> I have actually. So what happened? She brings this. the cat to the airport, right? She's she coming through there. She's traveling. The She's going down to Florida. She's coming through that airport, coming out of Germany, and it gets loose. And yeah. it's there for three weeks. She's about to give up. It's just chilling. And it's just chilling. And they catch it. They, they put out uh, different traps for it. I mean, not, you know, uh, catch and release type of traps out there. Good ones. But after three weeks, they find to get it there's pictures of this cat right cat there there it is like very freaked out but uh well shout out to massport cool. massport said everyone from construction workers yeah. to airline staff were constantly on the lookout hoping for a positive outcome massport staff set up wildlife cameras around terminal e and areas uh she had been seen as well as safe animal traps Wednesday they picked him up. Yeah, I used to work at uh, for this place called Vanegar Forty, right mm -hmm. at Black Falcon in Boston. If you're in Boston, you know where that is. And I would have to do the weekend customs releases for for air freight, right? Okay. And usually it was perishable fish, but once in a while you'd get a uh, like a hand carry on a dog. Like a dog would come, th not a hand Ooh. carry. I'm sorry, a belly cargo on a dog, and you yeah. have to go. You have to bring down customs forms, just like cargo and everything else. Huh? To get that uh, that release for the pets <sighs> from overseas. Never had any escape on you. What's that? You never had any escape on yeah. you? Yeah. Well, you look, you did an awful telling of the story. Rowdy the cat was the cat's name. It's been reunited with the owner. Now it's, it's on its way back to Florida. Yeah. How do you think it's getting to Florida, though, Michael Vincent? Probably train. By train? <laughs> it's probably made connections at the airport. It's probably going to get there somehow or another. Yeah. She said it was Amazing born friends. in Germany, though. She yeah. said she's born in Germany. She's got to teach in English now. So it speaks German. That's why I didn't know how to get him holding by yeah. That might be it. Look, I gave you your own special topic right here. We got... <laughs> Who, me? Right here, Ric Flair, man. Ric Flair? Hey, man. It's a big deal, little deal. Ric Flair coming out of retirement. I'm fired up about Ric Flair coming out of retirement. A lot of people in wrestling were like, why, he's so old. Why is he coming out of retirement? Listen, dude, he's 73 years old. He's the greatest wrestler to ever walk the face of the earth. Ooh. And you got Vince McMahon who just got in the ring. You got Stone Cold who just headlined WrestleMania. Why can't the Nature Boy come out? And I guarantee you he can come out and still put on a pretty good show. Yeah. Do you ever get – so some fans are like purists. They get really butthurt when wrestlers fake retire and unretire. Sure. Person, I don't know how you could be a fan if you got upset by that. Every single wrestler has done it. Right. Even Shawn Michaels with that embarrassing match down in yes. – with a bald head down yep. in well, well, why did he do that? I wish my Money childhood talks. wasn't ruined like that. Well, you got the – that's in Saudi Arabia, so the yeah. Crown Prince and everything. Those guys 
pay a lot of money. Like that's I bet true. he got paid a million dollars just to do that one show. Yeah, I heard it was over a million. And it's a tag team match. That's true. Come on now. That's true. And like what you, I mean, it's your, you know. Yeah. And your retirement's a work, man. You're there with your boy Triple H, and I mean Triple H tore his pec with like five minutes into the match, so yeah. Sean had to carry the match and hadn't wrestled since Taker at at uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, but see, everyone's making the wrestler comparisons though, right? Like the Mickey Rourke wrestler comparison. He's 73 years old. He put it's out a bad. video, a hype video. He cut a promo. It was great. He's king of promo. Obviously, they're going to be great. And he was talking about how he's got to get ready and at 73. But yep. Dave Meltzer, he reports from Wrestling Observer, he reports Ric Flair's injured. Got an injured foot. Talked to Ric Flair about it. He said there are two things that could go wrong. My heart's pacemaker could become unplugged. He just have to plug it back in. Yeah. Um, and he said blood thinners. You know, the guy's blade out there. You were telling us about right. that, right? Take the first yeah. thing off your get Blood, he might bleed to death from a, from a blade job. Well, can't do that. I'd say he's been on blood thinners even towards the last part of his career. Yeah. And he bled really well then as well. He's always bled great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't <laughs> see a problem with Ric Flair. Listen, Ric Flair has said numerous times that he would like to die in the ring and that he's never going to retire. Maybe Just because you retire, that's part of a story in professional wrestling so that you can get more people in the seats when you come out of retirement. That's the whole game in professional wrestling. So Ric Flair's going to crush it. Have you seen the, the footage of him? To be said, he's by far the best 73-year-old worker in the States, I tell you, tell you that much. Uh, who do you, all, right, Rick, all right, let's talk about Ric Flair or Biden. Who wins that? They're about the same age. I, I don't even know if Biden could make it into a ring. Like, I don't know if he sure. could walk from the back into the ring. If they were like, hey, man, we're going to call your spot. Left, right, left, right, left, right, step up, get into the ring. He'd yeah. probably mess that up. I mean, people might think that was a ridiculous question, but uh, Donald Trump, he had the Battle of the Billionaires versus Vince McMahon. He I, didn't actually get in the ring. But how, here's, a, here's a trivia question for everybody on What the Truck. What? Who's the only person in the history of the world, oh. okay, in the history of the world, to stun a president? Stone Cold Steve Austin? Stone Cold Steve Austin should be president based off of hierarchy. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin should be president because he stunned <laughs> Donald Trump back in the day. Wow. And got away with it. No Secret Service, no nothing. I mean, that was before he's president, but still. That would be interesting if politics worked that way. Like, if you do your finisher, like, yeah. election stand unless you do your finishing move, and then, right. then you are, you've, you've been uh, named but, king. That's right, you're yeah. done. Like the old day when they just go out and back and duel in the Rose Garden? That's exactly what yeah. they should do, except pro wrestling finishers. All right, let's yeah. take a look at this person. All right, well, before I ask you, do you think he's going to, do you think he, you know, he'll pull a wrestler in the ring? you think he'll win? Do you think he'll make it out of the ring? I line? think, uh, you said you think the guy's going to be J double J? That's what I hear. That's the rumor. I think the guy is going to be uh, the guy that's been working with him already. What, what's his name? Um, but I think he's going to come out as like Black Machismo. Oh yeah. What, you know, you know uh, Jay. Uh, oh yeah, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal. Yes. I think he'll come out as uh, Black Machismo, like his Macho Man yeah. gimmick. And I think they'll work that. And I'll have like a classic and Elizabeth. Because you've got uh, the, is it the rock and roll is going to be with him, and then you've got are they out of it now? Oh, I'm not sure. And then you had uh, FTR, who's going to be with Flair. I mean, I, I, don't, I think AEW is kind of holding back some, some contractual issues. I think that's yeah. the problem. All right. Well, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at an a-hole. Let's take a look at this video. So this guy in the black truck's pulling up, and he's lining up to back into a spot a few trucks over from me. And by the time he gets stopped and puts it in reverse, here comes this white truck. The guy in the black truck starts to back up, and then he's like, wait, what? And the guy in the white truck backs into the spot he was about to back into. Like, the whole truck stops pretty empty he could have parked anywhere don't be this guy have a little bit of respect for your fellow drivers and be aware of your surroundings because this right here is so frustrating hey 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 did you know that driver that pulled up with you huh do you know that driver who pulled up with you no, I, <laughs> I know Reminds me of that Tony Ezekiel thing. Like, what's up, Tony? With the two God. dogs, that meme yelling from the car, swearing at each other. <laughs> yeah, that's God, ridiculous, man. man. It's bad enough in a four wheeler getting cut off like that. I mean, yeah, but that's, it was pretty quick too. The way that got pulled in, just backed up that fast. The other guy should be a little bit quicker. Oh, just well, I think she sped up the tape a little bit. Oh, yeah, okay, I, I got you. Sped that. Well, if she sped the tape up, then what's he doing? Just sitting there. He had plenty of time to back in. Oh yeah, I don't. Devil's know. advocate. Devil's yeah. advocate. You gotta be both sides. So <laughs> if you like, if you're going to the the restroom, for example, and there's a line, and someone like glances down at their phone. Yeah. And they don't make that move. Do you just walk past them? First man to touch the door goes in? 
I mean, if he's going to sit there and play with his phone, I'm yeah. going to go in there and take care of business. Yeah, I got to take a sh- an S. You know, you're, you're yeah. playing Angry Birds. I don't get time for it. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Turn your phone on when you get on the toilet, there, pal. <laughs> it's I got one for you. How about the biggest supply chain conspiracy theory? So we were talking about on your show. We started talking about conspiracy theories, oh, but I let's talk about one. supply chain ones. And oh. you said something during. Uh, it wasn't even during the conspiracy part. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was about non-competes, right? Uh-huh. But you have kind of a non-compete compete conspiracy. Tell us about that. So I will say that there's companies running around that are very respectable and that I respect the leadership, the guys that created and everything. Anyways, but I got people that work there. But they'd go around talking about how they're going to end non-competes. Now, that's such a big deal, right? Yeah. I agree. I'm on your team. End non-competes. Get rid of them. But at the same time, there's no pushback on the non-solicit. And I know that the companies that are saying end non-competes also enforce a non-solicit. And some of these companies that say in non-competes that enforce non-solicits have a little bit better bankroll than some of these companies that they're trying to enforce them upon. So they're just going to win the legal battle outright, right? So, and not that they do it every time. I think that it's a matter of the relationship with the, um, the employee that they might lose yeah. as far as if they're actually going to go after it. But I just don't understand why we can't have the same conversation out loud, publicly, in a public forum, whether on LinkedIn or whether at a convention or whether on stage, whatever it might be, about why non-solicits are not just as important as non-competes. Because I think, and after speaking with the armchair attorney, Matthew Leffler, I think that non-solicits are more important than the non-compete and that we should focus on ending those more so than non-compete because I don't know of many people that have attacked a non-compete, but I know several people that have been attacked for a non-solicit. Very interesting. All right. Well laid out points right there. Vincent, what's your supply chain conspiracy theory? Uh, wow, I don't have, really have one, but I agree with you on those. You have zero the, conspiracy those. theories about the supply chain? Uh, no, not really. You don't even have, like, the ocean characters or an oligarchy that fit, like, you don't That's have That's not nothing? a conspiracy. They are. Okay. Well, there's, like, there's like what, nine <laughs> of them, right? There's and there's like a, there, Yeah, there's only a handful. I mean, yeah. they, 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 you know, they are an oligarchy. Say, it's there's kind of no weird. They also have the same prices. Yeah. I mean, I guess. The NWO right there. Yeah, yeah. New World Order for life. That's right. Absolutely. With the vessel sharing agreement. Yeah, we should get a, we should have a little, a table in here, a little discussion. We need to do, like, a one the truck conspiracy non solicit non compete. Yeah, you guys need to set that up. Well, yeah, there's some people in town who are big advocates of, uh, of some of those things, yeah. so I think we probably could set something. And I think that it's, it's completely fair to have that conversation, especially if the person's agreeing that you should end non competes. It's not like I'm yeah. over here saying, like, No, you can't end that, you got to end non solicits. No, end non competes and Let's talk about non-solicits. Well, since Michael Vincent is uh, not present with us with a conspiracy theory answer, I'll give you Donnie Gilbert's. Donnie Gilbert said diesel prices, Michael Vincent. He says that diesel prices are fixed, and the rate at which they go down is fixed. Hmm. That's an interesting conspiracy. Who, who would really be the is, person but, that right. decides Homework. That. Wednesday, come to us with a conspiracy there theory. Be, uh, there would be a lot of people that need to be on that conspiracy. Wednesday, right. come to us with a conspiracy theory, Michael Vincent. I'm not a big conspiracy person, but I'll bring one. Okay. Let's take a look at something cool. Let's take a look at this simulator before we go home. You ever been in one of these rigs before? Those windows are screens. That's awesome. That entire rig is uh, game control. I've seen the Ferrari one. What do you think one of those costs? I'd say about 25k. 25k. That probably looks a lot better than like the ones the Megas use for their drivers, right? I've seen the, uh, the uh, ones like at US Express and yeah. some others are not nearly that nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're out of time. Gunner, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks How do people me. find you on social? Man, just go to LinkedIn, type in Gunner Miller. You'll find it under the People's Captain. Or you go over to the YouTube channel, CWG Podcast, Chat with Gunner Podcast. That's the main one. Go subscribe. Hit me up. Find me at Timothy Duder, that's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be my Vincent. Peace and love, spread it everywhere.